0: All right, thanks for listening, guys, to this week's episode of Duh Weekly Podcast, True Crime Edition. Uh, I want to go through the same routine. Wherever you listen to this podcast, give us a rating, five stars. Give us a review. Give us a thumbs up. Find us on Instagram, Twitter. Email us at duhweeklypodcast at gmail.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for Anchor, leave us a voicemail, and you can support the show by notating money. Um, we're covering, this week we're going to cover the arrest and conviction of Corey Miller, also known as C-Murder. Um, there is a big push right now to have uh, his conviction thrown out and a new trial, or just drop charges altogether and get him out of prison. Um, some believe that he was wrongfully convicted of the death of a young man, at the age of 16 years old, named Steve uh, Thomas. Sorry, Steve Taylor. So anyway, um, if you can, I looked. I tried to find a couple of episodes on this uh, story, and I couldn't find anything. So we're gonna. Maybe see if we can't get this one. Promote this. Share it. If you're listening to this, uh, go wherever you get your podcast and, and rate the podcast so we can get this episode trending or get it to blow up or whatever we need to do um, to get uh, more ears to hear um, hear the story. You know, the very God-given freedoms... If they were just being hijacked right from underneath the the very grasp of your fingertips, it's you know it's something back in the day that caused farmers, brick masons, blacksmiths, and just regular town people to rise up and take back the very freedoms that they they felt were being uh, eroded from uh, from their lives, um, and that would lead to what. America is today and that's why the founding fathers said it would be better for 100 guilty men to go free than the life or freedoms of one innocent be be locked up or be taken away and that's why the first uh, the, the victims in this tragedy to be pushed to the side of this greater travesty I don't want to happen. But what I want to say is, first, let's look at the victims. Our hearts go out to the victims, the victims' family. And by no means are we trying to take away from his life and his death. But that is a tragedy in itself for someone to lose their life at the hand of another. But what a travesty is, is that someone lose their freedoms or lose their life for something that they did not commit. So in this episode, I want to cover the conviction and life sentence of Corey Miller, a.k.a. C. Murder. We'll be right back. I kind of just want to go through this case and give you the facts of what what happened, basically. I mean, when you solve a murder in, in basically one day, or a couple of days, as a matter of fact, the way the police department did with the death of Steve Taylor, you have, hopefully, hard rock, solid physical evidence. And hopefully it would take more than one day to process the scene to even get the evidence. When When you have an eyewitness, you would look for some other piece of evidence to corroborate that witness's statement, because we know eyewitness testimony is, is flawed, even under the best circumstances, like an empty room, and you see someone shoot someone. But, you know, in this case... I've read that there was as many as 600 people that were actually in this club. So basically, what had happened is on January the 12th, 2002, 16-year-old Stephen Taylor takes a fake ID tells his parents he's going to the movies and he goes to the Platinum Club because they're having a rap battle there and he knows C-Murder or Corey Miller will be there and he's a huge fan. Well, apparently after he gets done with his set, he comes off the stage maybe gets a little too close to Corey Miller who has tons of people around him because he is the most famous person in that club. Everyone knows who he is and He's going to stand out. So he's got 15, 20 people around him. Well, some people jump on this young man, um, start beating him up, kicking him, punching him, and then a shot rings out. He's shot in the chest and killed. As police arrive on the scene, no one names anyone as a suspect, they say black male. Then Darnell Jordan is the first witness that they speak to who is a security guard at the club. Detective Kevin Nichols approaches him. He basically goes through the same thing blackmail, shot. Sea Murder leaves the club and he is arrested later on that night for. Causing a commotion at the House of Blues in uh, Baton Rouge, so he's not fleeing. He's not running. So he he's he's off doing doing his thing the rest of that night. Now, Detective Nichols has worked that club before, so he is very familiar with Darnell Jordan. He knows him very well. So apparently, there's a phone call that comes in to Darnell Jordan. This is hearsay, and Darnell Jordan supposedly comes to Detective Nichols on the 17th of January to say, yes, C-Murder, or Corey Miller, is the shooter. So when you take into account that Detective Nichols worked around this club uh, all the time and, and knew the witness, Darnell Jordan, makes it easier to have Nichols work over the witness and what better way to to solve this murder than to get the loudmouth thug rapper C. Murder off of their streets? Now, C. Murder isn't real, but to the detectives, all all the lyrics and all the songs that they talk about, all the violence must be true. And who cares? They're about to show him who's in charge. And it was easy to put him. It was easy to put him, put it on him because of some of his past acts. He he'd had been in trouble for shooting at someone in the the past. So when Corey Miller runs out of the Platinum Club, he doesn't go home, uh, doesn't lay low, because, you know, with being the most famous person in a packed club, and uh, someone just, he just shot and killed a, a kid, you know, he wouldn't go to the House of Blues, you know, where he's arrested for a disturbance. He would go in hiding or lay low or get on a jet and leave the country I mean you would So what it boils down to at this point is on the seventeenth or eighteenth of January, just a few short days later, they issue an arrest warrant for Corey Miller, see murder, second degree murder. So what, what evidence do they have at this point? They have the eyewitness of one man only after hearsay that he got a call from someone saying, hey, you better watch what you say, uh, his clique or C-Murder's clique or Corey Miller's entourage is going to get you. So eyewitness testimony is not credible to begin with, even with a clear view, much less with as many as 600 people in the club. You're telling me that you've got a packed club that everybody knows who Corey Miller is. And out of that whole club, you've got maybe, when it comes down to it, two to three people that tell your same story. It isn't until a year later, the second witness comes in, Kenneth Jordan, no kin to Darnell Jordan, and he is brought in as a material witness because of the death of his infant child. So now all of a sudden, one year later, after he is being looked at, possibly for the death of his infant child, he now remembers that, yes, oh, yes, a year, year before, yes, I seen Corey, Corey Miller shoot Steve Taylor. To me, that's suspicious. So now we've got two witnesses. One come forward after a hearsay phone call that he was being threatened. The second one was a year later, only after he was brought in to find out what had happened to his infant son his had passed away. Now, we know that Corey Miller's not an angel, and he has a history of violence and was out on bond for a shooting at a, on a club owner and a bouncer, but it doesn't matter when it comes to this case. You know, when they brought this thing to trial there's no gun there's no evidence no blood no motive why would he lose his freedoms and millions of dollars why kill a 16 year old kid that that was a fan of his it's a crowded club the most famous and recognizable man in the building had more to lose than anyone in the club you know To me, I would hope that it would take more than just two eyewitnesses, than you know, to to convict someone of, of such a heinous crime. All right, so let's go through the whole whole thing. He was Corey Miller was arrested. Steve Taylor was shot January the 12th. Corey Miller was arrested on January the 18th and charged with second-degree murder. He goes to trial. He is convicted. This trial is overturned. He gets back out and is on house arrest. Now, in 2009, there's a new trial that comes up, and at this new trial... Here is what evidence convicted Corey Miller, a.k.a. C-Murder, of second-degree murder of Steve Taylor. You've got witness A that originally never mentions the shooter being Corey Miller. Only after a suspicious hearsay phone call does he call Detective Nichols, whom he already knows and is friendly with, and points the finger at Corey Miller. Now, like I said, witness A, which is Darnell Jordan, had prior dealings with Detective Nichols, so Darnell was not a stranger to Detective Nichols and would be in a position to do what Detective Nichols asked due to the possibility that Detective Nichols knows about prior bad acts by Darnell Jordan, and that that previous relationship bothers me. Uh, The club was packed, as many as 600 people, almost impossible to see who shot someone because of just the number of people, plus it's dark, it's loud, and there's lots of movement. Eyewitness testimony is not reliable to begin with, but no corroborating evidence makes it even more suspicious. Now, an eyewitness by the name of Kenneth Jordan, no no relation, is in the detective's office one year later talking about the death of his infant child. And at that point, detectives start questioning him about being at the nightclub on the night of the shooting. So now all of a sudden, Kenneth Jordan is saying, yes, oh yes, it was Corey Miller. And he only said this one year later after he was in there talking to the detectives about the death of his infant child. Uh, Now, there is a witness the night of the shooting, Denise Williams, she comes forward and says that Derek Taylor was the shooter. Now, the detectives come to determine that she's not being truthful, that she only said that because she was scared of Corey Miller and his entourage retaliating against her, so they get her to recant that testimony and say she only said Derek Thomas because she was scared of Corey Miller and his entourage coming after her. Now, what what the problem is with that is that the fact that the judge allowed them to testify to something that was hearsay makes Corey Miller look like a bully, he looks guilty, he looks like a thug, like he's trying to witness witness tampering. And there's no evidence whatsoever that anyone threatened any of these witnesses, but they were allowed to get up and testify to the fact that these people were scared because of Corey Miller would hurt them, and Corey Miller never threatened to hurt them or anybody in his entourage. To me, that is prejudicial to the jury. Now, when witness B, which is Kenneth Jordan, is questioned about what he's seen that night over one year later, why wait one year to talk to him? Why did they only talk to him after a, a suspect situation concerning the death of his young child makes it look like to me look like only after they have had they have the leverage to get the testimony they need from him then, like I said, they allowed Derek Jordan to make statements that he was scared of retaliation by sea murder. He speaks of a phone call that someone told him to be careful of sea murder's people. This is all an opinion of witness say and hearsay from a phone caller. It's based on no facts, and it's very prejudicial to the jury. Now, Detective Nichols does the same thing. Uh, the, uh, the witness that named um, Derek Taylor as the shooter, and sorry, I have to go back and re- remember her name. It's D- uh, Denise Williams. Nichols does the same thing with Denise Williams' testimony, because she says that Derek Thomas is the shooter, then she she lied about all that. She was scared of Corey Miller, and that's why she named someone else. Now, this is not factual. Plus, it's hearsay and prejud- prejudicial to the jury. To me, it makes Corey look guilty by threatening witnesses. It never happened, and it's very inflammatory. It's not real. So why was it allowed? At no time did anyone testify that Corey said this or told someone this. So all they have is the testimony of two witnesses that said C-Murder was the shooter. So there's no murder weapon. There's no DNA that matched Corey. There's DNA, but it doesn't match Corey. So you have a celebrity kill someone in a crowded nightclub, and out of all these people, only two sketchy people seen it. Now, on top of that the jury come back deadlocked 10 I'm sorry 9 to 3 now unfortunately in new orleans at the time or louisiana you only needed a 10 2 verdict to get a conviction that has now been changed by the supreme court that in any kind of major case like this it must be a unanimous jury well a juror has come out and said that she was bullied into changing her vote to get the 10 2 verdict they needed Now, not only has this juror come forward and said that I was bullied, I was pressured, people wanted to get out of there, I felt threatened to give the 10-2 verdict, they also claim, the Supreme Court's claim, that the 10-2 is unconstitutional. Then, on top of that, both witnesses have came out and recanted their testimony. Darnell Jordan states that he signed a blank uh, witness statement with Detective Nichols and uh, Kenneth Jordan has come out and said that he felt he was threatened with 10 years for the death of his child if he didn't cooperate. So now we come to find out that, you know, C. Murder or Corey Miller had been arrested in, in the past for shooting at a nightclub owner and a bouncer. We know that this wasn't used at trial to convict him, but it was used in the grand jury to get the original indictment Against Steve Taylor, against Corey Miller for the murder of Steve Taylor. Um, now we do know that it was possibly a group of people that was around and with Corey Miller that jumped Steve Taylor, but it is unclear who pulled the trigger. I believe that once they heard some talk of Corey Miller being involved, maybe in trying to get a kick or a punch in on Steve, Steve Taylor, was all that they needed to to put the the gun in his hand and pull the trigger. The question is this, did they prove Corey Miller key, killed Steve Taylor? Now you can say Corey Miller is guilty, Corey Miller is this, he murdered is this, whatever. But put yourself in the situation of you've just got convicted of murder because of two eyewitnesses. And we know eyewitness testimony is not accurate to begin with, much less in a crowded club. One of your eyewitnesses doesn't even come forward until one year later when he is confronted with the death of an infant child. You have one witness that names a suspect, another person, as the shooter. So basically you've got a conviction for second-degree murder on the eyewitness testimony of two people And that's it. Then those two people recant their testimony. A juror says they were pushed and bullied and and pushed into giving the conviction. And not only that, you've got a 10-2 conviction, not even a unanimous conviction. If the Supreme Court has overturned the 10-2, that they now say you must have a unanimous verdict in any kind of major case, what does that say to the previous cases? Is it too much trouble to go back? Oh, that's just too much to go back and look through all that. Um, This is just the facts of this case. God bless Steve Taylor's family. It is a tragedy. It is a tragedy that they lost a a loved one, a son, a brother, whatever it may be. But I'm telling you right now, the biggest travesty would be that an innocent man be put to prison for a murder or a crime that he did not commit. This is The Weekly Podcast.